We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Myself in the same category as D Welcome to the award-winning Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast, sponsored by Thrive Fantasy. It's Friday, January 17th, 2020. Alex Barutha here sitting next to Shannon McEwen. Ken is sick and will not be attending this podcast. Uh, today we're going to uh, touch on some Dynasty and Keeper League options. Uh, but first, in news, Brandon Ingram had a career night last night. The Pelicans got the win in overtime and ended Utah's 10-game winning streak. Ingram had a career-high 49 points, scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, he went 15 of 25 from the field, 3 of 8 from deep, 16 of 20 from the free throw line. Uh, he is the 12th best fantasy player right now in terms of total production. He's ahead of guys like Paul George, Giannis, Devin Booker, Jimmy Butler, etc. I mean, we've talked about him earlier in the year. I, I mean, I, I think at this point, I'm pretty convinced this is real, and I'm very much expecting Ingram to continue playing like this for, I don't, I mean, he's he's borderline an all-star, if not locked in, um, and yeah. I mean, team success is the only thing that's keeping him out of the right. all-star game. He absolutely should be an all-star. Um, I'm disappointed the breakout didn't come last year when I was all about the post hype on Ingram. I, I think I owned him in like 80% of my leagues this year or last year. This year, it's only 30%. Um, but it's still like those leagues, thank goodness that I do have a share, have shares of them, those shares. Are you, 
Has it crossed your mind to sell high on him at all with Zion coming back? Do you think this is in any way a fluke? Do you think it's like even if he does regress, you don't think it's it will be significant enough to be warrant uh, to warrant like trying to sell high on his value right now? No, I, I mean there's always if there's always an opportunity to sell high, it's worth exploring it. Um, I just never thought you know that what he's been doing, you know what he did last night. Obviously, he's not going to do that uh, every night. Uh, I think some of the production will go down. You know, he's currently averaging 25.8 points per game. Uh, basically, he's 26, seven and, and four and a half, um, which <laughs> is, is amazing. Uh, but this is this is also kind of what everyone expected. This is what you know his pedigree was supposed to lead to. This um, the the question marks were like, okay, is he going to put up defensive stats? Uh, he's done better. He's done a little bit better with, with that this year. Uh, still not great. Um, I'd like to see him average over one steal and one block per game. He's just under for both. Um, but the three-pointers have come. I mean, he's he's going to easily surpass – I mean, he's already doubled or close to – he's close to doubling his career high already in three-pointers made. Um, he's going to surpass his career three-pointers made the previous three years combined this season. Um, he's just – you know, I think that's a natural thing that was going to come – He's getting more volume on those now. He, he's more comfortable shooting threes. So with the threes, with the 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 ball in his hand more, he doesn't you know he doesn't have to he doesn't have to play in LeBron's shadow. Um, <laughs> you know the team's not winning, uh, so that's not good. But but this is the the player we expected with the high usage. No, I don't. I don't think he's a, a good stats bad team guy. I think he's I, I think he's too. The numbers he has are too good. He's too efficient yes. for him to be labeled as such. Now, I don't know if he'll ever be the number one guy on a championship team. I could see him as a number two or a number three if he hits a ceiling. Yep. I don't know what he did in the offseason, but the, the increase in shooting percentages are, are out of control because we already knew he could pass. We already knew he could rebound at a decent rate. Um, I guess defensive upside was there, but he jumped from – he has a 60% true shooting right now that's up from 55 last year, which – and 5% is a huge, a huge jump in true shooting percentage. Um, and there were – I mean, coming into the season, people were worried, like, what about what, what about his career? Because he had the thoracic outlet right, in his right. shoulder or whatever. So it's it's crazy that he was able to get this – he was able to do – he was able to improve so much in the offseason when there were literally questions about his career – yeah, sometimes it just takes a few years for it to catch. I mean, he's only 22. He's still super young. Yeah, uh, he's got plenty, plenty. He can improve from here. I mean, he's so he's so young. He's gonna probably there's a good chance he improves from here. Um, I think, I think the the learning curve for Zion, like I don't think Zion's gonna step in day one and be this crazy beast who's dominating the ball. Right. As a you know, you know, I don't think they're necessarily gonna be funneling the offense through Zion. Um, and I didn't think that even before Zion's injury, I, I mean, you look at, you look at high, high, pro, high production rookies in the past, even guys like, you know, like LeBron, LeBron as a rookie was not doing what Ingram's doing this year. Like, so it, expecting Zion, Zion's going to take some from Ingram, but I don't think it's going to be crazy. Plus they're going to be, they're going to have kids gloves with, with, with Zion for the rest of the season. He's not going to play, probably not going to play in back to backs. He's going to see limited run, uh, for at least the first couple of weeks. So I, I think Ingram continues to dominate and, and kudos if, if you are savvy enough to draft him. Yeah. Zion, I mean, we saw in the, um, 
in the preseason that he didn't need to touch the ball a lot to score. Like he wasn't dominating the ball a ton. He had a 25% usage rate, but it wasn't through a lot of like dribbling and, and everything. I mean, he averaged uh, Zion averaged 23 points in 27 minutes on 12 shots in the preseason, which is just absurd. Um, basically two and a half assists, the steals, no blocks, which was super weird, but yeah, like you mentioned, I'm not, I'm not super worried about Ingram. Um, not expecting Zion to affect his production at a significant level. I, I do want to mention something about the Jazz, though. Sure. So they're, the Jazz were, are now 16-3 and three over their past 19 games. Um, there was a lot, of, uh, a lot of worry about them when they started off like 12-10, and 10, but they had like the second-hardest schedule in the NBA. They've also been slow starters for like three, four years running now. <laughs> um this team's legit. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that they're going to compete with Milwaukee or the Lakers or even the Clippers for a championship run, um, but they legit still might finish like as the second, second or third seed in the West. Yeah, Basketball Reference has them as the tenth best team by simple rating system. That is above the Heat, the Pacers, and just below the Nuggets and the 76ers. So they're. I mean, they're they're right in in the thick of it. And if Conley can come back and actually start playing close to what he what people expecting him to then i could easily see this team it's possible to get the western conference finals that wouldn't shock me yeah um it would be a little unexpected at this point but they have the talent uh yesterday we had a uh, nick and i touched on this a little bit but it was a blockbuster trade jeff teague and travion graham for alan crab are there any fantasy implications uh for this trade for you like if you're if uh, you know, for those, this waiver period, are you looking at Napier? If Culver happens to be available, is there literally anybody on the Hawks that you think benefits in a real way from this? On the Hawks, no. I, right. I think it's, uh, you know, purely on the Minnesota side. And it's what we've already seen. It, it's basically what we've already seen the past 10 to 12 games. You've seen uh, Napier's been great. At, or, well, you know, he's been good. He's been good as yeah. the starter. Um, he's been a, He's been the starter over Teague for a while now. Um, so that's going to continue. If you picked him up and thought he was going to be a short, short-term short fill-in for you, now it looks like it's going to be long-term. Um, also, the team, you know, Wiggins, it's good for Wiggins owners because that means he should, like he did earlier this season when Teague was out, he'll handle the ball more. Uh, Jarrett Culver has been – he's really turned things around the last 10 games or so, mm-hmm. and I think we're going to see that him continue to build on that. So really those are the three players that I think it impacts the most. Yeah, I'm I'm in complete agreement. I mean, the the rumblings have been that the Wolves want they made this move to open up a uh, some flexibility to try to acquire another point guard, whether it's someone like Aaron Holiday or Dennis Schroeder, uh, or even um, uh, D'Angelo Russell still is an option. But uh, until that happens, I mean, I think if you can uh, get Shabazz Napier or Jarrett Culver um, cheaply, if you if you have Fab, uh, I'd I'd say go ahead and do it. I don't. I mean, is there, I, I was wondering kind of what to do with Jeff Teague. I don't think I would like, if, if he was on my roster, I probably wouldn't start him this week, but I'm not dropping him either because I think there's a possibility he sees time on the court with Trey Young, with yes. Kevin Herter. And if he can still get 25 ish minutes a game, then he has the potential to be a top 120 player. And if you need assists, then I assume. Yeah. It really depends on your need for assist is really what it would come boil down to for me. I mean, we've talked about guys like Alfred Payton in the past. Uh, I think Ken and I talked about him a lot last week or the week prior you and I did. Um, and just the fact that if you average that many assists, 
you're probably going to have value in a fantasy league because that's that's a very hard category to come by on the waiver wire, especially. So, you know, if you if you have Teague and you need the assist, then then I would keep him. I'd keep him around. I'm with you. I think there there's a strong possibility that he sees time with Trey. I mean, that's a that's a small backcourt. Uh, <laughs> I don't recommend most NBA teams to go that route, but I, I could see how they would want to just free Trey up off the ball a little bit. Give Teague's, you know, because Trey Trey as a as a shooter like that too, like that that's interesting. Um, it also just we- the wear and tear on Trey, you know, it yeah. takes away from some of that. Um, and you know, they they need to play around with things right now as because their season's not really going anywhere. So so just trying to find unique ways to to work with Trey and how to best utilize them. I think so. I think Teague will see the minutes. You know, twenty-five minutes, like you said. If Teague's still getting five to six assists per game, that holds some value in most leagues. If you don't need the assist and he's on your roster, and it's a shallow enough league, ten or twelve teamer, there's good free agent out there. I would drop him. Yeah, I can. I can definitely see the Hawks experimenting with some uh, like Trey Young off the ball a little bit. I mean, he gets the Steph Curry comparisons. I don't always think that's one hundred percent accurate, but we've seen Steph Curry his game really opened up and he became an MVP partially because of his ability to work off the ball and get open shots coming off screens because there's a secondary ball handler on the court. <clears throat> and if, if the Hawks can find a way to uh, start making that work with uh, Jeff Teague, that might inform them in the future, how to construct a roster. Yeah. One note on uh, Culver over the past nine games, he's basically averaging 30 fantasy points uh, 30, almost 32 minutes per 15 points, five and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, one and a half steals and one and a half three pointers. Uh, you know, really the only, the only knock against him is his free throw shooting 53% over that nine game stretch, but that's in only 1.7 attempts per game. So he's not even getting to the line that much. <laughs> Some Lonzo ball type, uh, yeah. free throw rate, uh, Jamal Murray out for the quote foreseeable future with an ankle injury. Uh, this means it's Monte Morris time, Yo. obviously. Uh, started yesterday in a slight victory over Golden State. Uh, Morris had 11 points, three rebounds, three assists in 26 minutes. I should also mention that Malik Beasley had a monster game, uh, th- played 39 minutes, had 42 fantasy points, uh, 27 points, four rebounds, three steals. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. also had a great game, 46 fantasy points. Um, I, I think, um, do you, I mean, if you're, if again, there's a waiver wire question, do you feel more who out of those three guys, do you feel the most confident in any of them? Do you, are you putting in close to an equal bid on all of them? Like, how are you approaching this Jamal Murray injury situation? Well, so the three players, I think it, well, we'll, we'll say four players, four players it impacts the most, you know, you named, you named three of them. I think the other one's Will Barton, right. the fourth. Um, so Will Barton is not on any, any waiver wires. No, he's not. Um, I would probably, I'm probably putting Monte Morris tops okay. just because he should be locked in that starting role. Um, he can give, he can give you really solid assist numbers. Um, you know, look at, looking at his per 36, um, that's been solid 6.6 assist. Um, yeah. 6.6 assists per game this year. Um, that goes up. It's higher than that over his, over his, uh, career. He, he's just solid. Like he can give you, if he's playing 30 minutes, he can give you like 12 and five, which 
is really darn good off the waiver wire. Beasley's going to be more of a guy who will score and get and hit threes. Hit threes and he yeah. hit like I think he was five for ten from downtown last night. Um, so that carried much of his scoring. Uh, Porter, you know, it's it's good news for for Porter if you're sta- if you've had him stashed in deeper leagues. Uh, coach came out last night and said this means Porter's going to be playing minutes. He's playing in every game moving forward. We'll see if that actually happens, uh, but it should be good news for Porter too. Uh, Barton owners, you know, maybe it's something where I think Barton's value goes up quite a bit here. Um, you know, he scored a season high last night. He also had seven assists. He's basically been deployed as like their backup point guard this season mm-hmm. for a lot of stretches. Um, he's the guy. I mean, honestly, I would, I would absolutely. It's tough to do this after a thirty-one five and seven game. But I would put out some some feelers for trades and see if I could get him at a def- decent discount or not a discount, but just you know whatever his value was before Murray got hurt, essentially, because um, I think Barton's going to really have a strong run here. Yeah, and I mean, for the past couple of years, we've kind of assumed Gary Harris was like the third guy in the Nuggets' young core, but now I I, I think it's just Will Barton. Like he he's the he's a complete glue guy for them. Can play three positions, can handle the ball, can hit threes. Can do a little bit of everything, and these are the kind of situations where if anyone gets hurt on the Nuggets, he can get more minutes and see more playing time, and that actually gives me a little bit of concern about Monte Morris because I feel like if they just if if Coach uh, you know Mike Malone just feels confident about Will Barton handling the ball, then I'm not really sure what happens with Morris. Now, if you're in a turnover league, Morris is great because he never turns the ball over, so yeah. that's understandable. Yeah. Um, I think I would probably be interested in Beasley and Porter. Um, they're obviously going to hit a bunch of threes for you. But, I mean, any of these guys are decent waiver wire options, and they'll probably be – their availability is going to vary based on how deep your league is. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they'll probably – they're probably all there, but uh, you never know. And it's based on it's based on your categorical need, all right? That, like, yeah. like, Morris is the most appealing to me because I feel like – I said it earlier, I think assists are typically harder to find off the waiver wire. Right. And he's going to provide more assists than the other two. Um, whereas, you know, overall stats or if, if you're looking for scoring or threes or maybe threes and rebounding, whatever it be, then then obviously you'll look at, look at the other two options there, Beasley or Porter. Okay. Uh, we have a message from Thrive Fantasy. Come hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this NBA season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes and respective sport. Choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur the more points a selection is worth the riskier it is rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool thrive has over two thousand dollars of guaranteed daily prizes for its mba contests use promo code rw when you sign up today and you will receive an instant match up to 25 dollars on your first deposit download thrive fantasy on the app store or the or the play store or by visiting thrivefantasy.com sign up and hashtag prop up today yeah don't forget to use the promo code rotowire with that uh if you are is it is it rotowire or rw rw sorry rw RW. uh and if you're a big dfs fan you've been playing the salary cap games i highly recommend branching out and trying some of the other formats that are out there thrive is, is a great great platform 
We're going to touch on some dynasty targets now. Um, we've seen like plenty of guys emerge throughout this year. Um, even though the draft, the 2019 draft class has n- not been stellar, um, there have been some other players that have stood out. Um, we touched on one earlier uh, in uh, Jared Culver, who, despite not really getting to the free throw line or anything like that, has looked great uh, in terms of his three point shooting. Um, it, I mean, did you did you kind of say your piece on Jared Culver? Yeah, I, I, the sales pitch was probably done earlier. Um, I love his defensive upside. Um, I will be interested to see how he does with more playmaking responsibility sure. in Minnesota. Um, he was he was a good playmaker in college, so I think it'll be you know he he might not necessarily be a pure point guard, but he has some of that in him, and I I want to see Minnesota actually tap into it. That would be nice. I mean, he's he's just about to turn twenty one, um, but he's averaging. Uh, it, this is the past month averaging uh, 1.4 steals and 1. Uh, 1.0 blocks uh, in just uh, 26 minutes. So if that can, if that kind of defense can continue and he can develop uh, some ball handling skills, then he will be someone like extremely valuable moving forward and someone worth targeting in dynasty leagues. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, w- I also want to mention his free throw percentage. So he actually he was like 71 percent shooter from the line in college last year. I do think we're going to see him improve there. Um, he, he's not necessarily a great shooter or will might never be a, a knockdown or known for as a great shooter, but I think he's a competent shooter. And, and you'll see that in the free, from the free throw, if not this season, in the near future. So I, I'm absolutely, if I don't own him in a dynasty format, uh, I, I'm definitely targeting him as one of my options. Uh, someone that I have marked down uh, is Daniel Gafford. Um, uh, we saw him do pretty well in summer league, um, which is kind of where I, uh, got interested in him, uh, where he blocked 2.8 shots per game, 24 minutes, 7.8 rebounds, kind of looked like a, just like a hyper athletic, tall, skinny center, kind of like Tyson Chandler, uh, without some of the rebounding, but I mean, he's 20th in the league right now in blocks per game and he's playing only 12.8 minutes, uh, his per 36 numbers, 13 points. Seven rebounds, three point seven blocks. He's shooting sixty seven percent from the field. Um, he has a he's a plus twenty one in terms of uh, net rating. Getting some extra run recently because of the Wendell Carter injury, um, and he's someone who just because he's I mean he's getting extra run here because of Wendell Carter being down. So you're what you're banking on in trying to acquire Gafford, whether it's on the waiver wire or trading for him. Um, depending on how deep your dynasty league is, is that he he gets moved at some point, and or he can start getting twenty to twenty five minutes consistently somehow. Um, but uh, you know, it, it, blocks can be pretty hard to come by, and if you can secure someone who is twenty one years old and already proven to be a top tier shot blocker, um, then I think you do it. I mean, it's kind of like what we saw um, about. Mitchell Robinson kind of looked like this initially where you look at his block rate and you're like, oh man, like that's someone I should definitely consider getting a hang of. Yeah. And I mean, Mitch, Mitch Rob's on a whole different stratosphere as far as block rate than anyone. Right. Uh, That's not, not to discount Gafford here. Um, But that, that's what it's going to carry the weight for Gafford. Uh, His blocks are, are the appealing part and it's too bad that he got injured um, because he would have seen nice, nice uh, run here with the Bulls front court beat up. 
Um, and if you owned them, that could have absolutely uh, rocketed up his value. So you could trade him in, in Dynasty. And with that not being the case, I think he's he's a good target. If you're looking for someone who's probably affordable, uh, he there's a very good chance he could be available on the waiver wire in Dynasty leagues, depending on, on how deep you go. Um, so I like him as a dart. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, I the, the playing time is not necessarily going to be there with, with Markin and Carter, um, but who knows where the opportunity would be a year or two from now. Yeah. Um, who else do you got that you would like to touch on? Uh, we mentioned Michael Porter earlier. We don't need to dive into it. I think everyone knows in Dynasty he should be he should be owned. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think his value even even if you go back to our conversations about Porter preseason, um, it was all about stashing him, hoping that eventually he's a regular part or, or seen seeing heavy minutes towards the end of the year. It always kind of seemed like the Nuggets might bring him on slowly, and that that seems to be what they're doing. I think his minutes are going to increase from here on out, and his value is only going to get higher and higher. Um, next guy, Sekou Dumboya. Mm-hmm. We, uh, I've talked about him probably two weeks in a row. Uh, <laughs> not not a lot else to say. Uh, he's been he's looked really good for the Pistons. Had a decent showing in G League. Um, if you already have him in Dynasty, you probably got one of the steals. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what his long-term position will be. You know, he's playing, basically being deployed as the four um, ever since Blake Griffin went down. Um, I want to see if he's if he's got it in him to play the small forward position. I think he does. Um, he's crazy long. He's going to fill out some more, but he's got a lot of length. Um, he's got some athletic ability. He can hit three-pointers. Um, he looks comfortable and smooth taking that, that long-range shot. So there's a good chance he's actually the long-term option at three instead of four. Yeah, he's he. Uh, part of the issue for him right now is his five fouls per 36 minutes. That's yeah. going to keep him out of some games. But if he can clean that up, I mean, being I think he's just turned 19. Yeah, just turned 19, um, and is averaging like 16 points, six rebounds per 36, shooting well from three, getting to the free throw line at a decent clip, uh, three free throw attempts per 36 minutes. The passing needs to improve a little bit. Obviously, you know, you kind of mentioned with his length, he can be a defensive presence. Um, surprisingly, has a positive net rating for the the Pistons right now, uh, which is also important. Like, obviously, you know, advanced numbers and stuff like that don't really come into play in, in, in fantasy as much as they do in real life. But when you're trying to evaluate who might be a good keeper or someone to target in a dynasty league, there are some stats like the win shares and the value over replacement player and the ratings that do help inform you on whether a player is likely uh, to continue to get bigger minutes or not, or how valuable they are to a team, which obviously matters for um, their their role moving forward. Yeah, I just i I think given his given his age, his his youth, and what seems to be his like, he could have one of the higher ceilings from the 2019 draft class. Um, I, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm being a homer. I just full disclosure, I am a Pistons fan. Um, but you know, eight starts. And he's averaging 14, 5.3, one steal, 1.5, three-pointers. His percentages all look good. Um, could certainly, you know, certainly could improve. Maybe, maybe it's just a mirage and those percentages dip. Uh, maybe, this, maybe this is a hot streak for him. I don't know. But I like what I've seen from him so far. And, and seeing this from a 19-year-old who was considered rather raw when the Pistons drafted him uh, is – 
incredibly intriguing. Uh, I just, if you're already doing this at 19 when you're supposed to be that raw, what is the ceiling? You know, I'm not going to say that he's the next Giannis or the next <laughs> next Siakam, um, but there there's something there for sure. Yeah, we only saw him in one summer league game, so there wasn't like a lot of hype surrounding him. You know, kind of after after that. Um, but he's been playing professional basketball since um, 2015 um, internationally. So like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, someone I, I mean, I, I don't know if he'll be available in a lot of dynasty leagues, but Dante DiVincenzo um, has been, I, I had him in our dynasty league last year and we, we have like a G league slash minor league system in ours. And I let him go because I didn't think he was going to get that much playing time on the bucks, but He's consistently getting 20 minutes a game for Milwaukee. Um, decent three-point shooter, not elite quite yet. But the real appeal for DiVincenzo is his upside as a passer and as a defender. Um, right now, per 36 minutes, he's averaging 3.5 assists and 2.4 steals. He has the third-best steal rate in the NBA right now, third-best defensive rating in the NBA right now. Um, he is He's not like a young rookie or anything. He's just about to turn 23, but... The fact that he has been a legitimate winning player for one of the best regular season teams that we've seen in a very long time, um, I think proves that his future in the league is is going to be pretty significant. And even if he just turns out to be like a, you know, kind of a three and D guard, um, I, he's still going to be incredibly valuable as a as a fantasy player if he can continue having like a top ten steal rate every year. One of the, one of the things that uh, makes him appealing to me is seeing this production. From Milwaukee, from a team, you know, with a deep rotation that's this successful in Milwaukee, is he's going to be highly sought after once he does hit free agency. Mm-hmm. Like I think there's a very good chance, like you know, it's like Brogdon, he has to yep. go, he's going to have to go elsewhere, and someone's going to overpay for him and put him in a role that's that's heavier than the one he's seeing now, and that role, that's where I, that's what's attracted me at targeting him in a dynasty league is. It's not what he's doing this year, next year, but probably the year after. And, right. and once he hits a new squad, he could blow up from there. So, uh, yeah, I think he's a good target and an affordable one probably. Even though there's current production, it, he could still be affordable. Uh, let's let's rattle off a few more names here, and then we'll get to some DFS. Uh, you, have a, you have a few more guys on your list. Lonnie Walker with the Spurs. Um, he's shown some flashes this year. Uh, I own him in our dynasty league. I drafted him last year with the full anticipation to stash him for a couple years. Loved him in college. Um, thought that he only dropped in the draft because of the injury. Um, I mean that that's obvious. That goes without saying. Uh, but I, you know, when when he does get out there and, and sees extended run. I like what we've seen so far. I don't know if the playing time is going to open up um, anytime in the near future for the Spurs, but it does seem like it seems like they're at least interested in getting him more playing time. And, and you know, whether it be in the cur- the current iteration of the Spurs or next season, or maybe after they make some moves after the trade deadline this year, I do think Lonnie Walker is going to be a part of their long term outlook. Yeah, Spurs notoriously bringing young players along very slowly, and then all of a sudden, like three years down the line, they're really good. Everyone's like, "How did this happen?" Um, but he's someone who only he's only he only has four hundred and eighty-two minutes played to his career, so we haven't seen a ton from him yet. 
um, at all because you know his his numbers bear out fine at least the the, the per 36 numbers he's got some good steal upside good rebounder for a guard um, percentages are fine as far as efficiency um, the like the net rating and the advanced stats don't treat him kindly but he's only he hasn't played enough minutes for me to right. think that's super relevant and the spurs have like not been that good for large portions of this year so that doesn't worry as me that doesn't worry me as much as it would if he had been seeing like 20 minutes a game for them every single night he's actually he's he's also the type of player that i i believe once he sees consistent playing time that like the percentages will go up sure. I, I think it's tough on, on young players where you know they're playing 24 minutes one game three minutes the next it's tough to find that rhythm on a game to game basis and, and post solid percentages. The 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 ability that he has lends me to believe that those percentages will go up once he's got that regular role. Uh last guy that I that I really just want to mention here, Isaiah Hartenstein, uh backup center for the Rockets. He is twenty one right now. Uh we did, we saw him a little bit last year, played in twenty eight games, um, wasn't doing anything too crazy. Uh, never scored in double digits, never grabbed double digit rebounds. But in the games that we had seen Clint Capella out this year, uh, he stepped in and, and filled in really well. Um, he kind of projects as like he as I don't know, he's just really well rounded right now uh, per 36 minutes, 15 points, 13 rebounds, two and a half assists, 1.8 blocks, 1.2 steals, 68% from the field has toyed around with shooting a three-pointer. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't like bank on that for his value moving forward. He's two for nine for his career in like 450 minutes. But, um, you know, and I just mentioned for Lonnie Walker, not to look too much into advanced stats for guys who haven't seen that much time, but I mean, he's, his, he has a 133 offensive rating right now with a 105 defensive rating. That's an absurd number. It was also a positive last year. Um, I just think, you know, he he's going to be behind Clint Capella. Yes. So this is one of those moves where you're you're hoping you can grab him now, hang on to him for like three, four, two, three, four years, and hope that some team, um, you know, some rebuilding team is like, you know, what if we give this guy like eight million a year for three years, um, and and see what happens with him. Yeah, there's been some interest, in, and it's mainly because he's had a few big games, right? right. Um, my one, the one question mark I have about that is the fact that. You know, the you could you could really label all three of the games that he's had that were, you know, solid nights. You know, these are outings where you're like, damn, I wish I had that dude in my DFS lineup. Right. You know, those three outings that he's had since basically since like Christmas all came in blowouts. So sure. I question whether or not and I didn't I, I can't go back. I didn't watch those three games, or if I watched parts of them or whatever, I can't recall. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I want to see I want to see him do it for a, a little bit of a prolonged stretch. I want to see him get run in close games um, before I have any kind of hard conclusion on him. Yeah. Um, but it is intriguing because la- I mean previously when he got chance there there are times last season that Capello was out that front court was very shallow and they're playing some dude who's like six seven at center. So you know they were passing him up over other dudes who aren't centers playing P.J. Tucker at center. Uh, now that he's actually getting some minutes and we see the production, he's much more intriguing to me. Um, he's certainly worth a flyer. Um, last two guys I'm going to just mention. You know sure. the names. Brandon Clark, Kobe White. These are just two dudes who 
from this rookie class, I believe in their talent significantly. I, I think they're going to continue to improve. I don't even care what they've done this year. Um, like it doesn't matter. Clark's been Clark's actually been really good. Clark's been fantastic. Yeah, his efficiency is amazing. Um, I just believe in their talent so much that I would overpay to get if if I'm in rebuilding mode in dynasty leagues. Those are two guys I would overpay for. I think they're going to develop and, and show a lot more than what what we've already seen this year. I would agree. I don't know what the future plan is for the Grizzlies as far as like, are they just going to roll potentially with a front court of Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark? Because I think that would be awesome and interesting. I don't really know what they're going to do with Valanciunas, but yeah, Clark is someone who I, I can't imagine him at like at any point in the near future, him seeing fewer than 20 minutes per game regularly. And um, he just, I mean, he's he's been fantastic. Kobe White, he kind of like started off hot and then he's... I haven't like heard his name mentioned in a long time, but he's someone who um, his his passing isn't great. He kind of projects as a more like a scoring guard. At least that's what it seems like right now. But he's launching up like eight threes per 36 minutes. If those start to fall, um, that would be great. His main his main his two main barriers right now. Kobe White is he needs to get to the free throw line more. He needs to pass better. But obviously, if those two things come along, then. I, I I'll stand by this, and it's going to sound insane when you when you go watch Zion Williamson highlights or or Morant highlights. Kobe White is the most electric scorer in this draft class. <laughs> All right, no, he's not throwing down those dunks. He's not the most thunderous scorer. He's the most electric. Like there's, I don't think there's anyone else who can catch fire like Kobe White can from this draft class. You could argue, I mean, if you're talking purely three pointers, you you, you know you can you can say Tyler Hero, and I'll, I'll listen to you. But I, Kobe White, and Tyler Hero is another guy who absolutely is legit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just love, I love Kobe White. I think he's going to grow. Uh, my only concern there is that the Bulls are going to fudge it up somehow, but we'll see. <laughs> Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cashback, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Uh, okay, let's get into some Friday DFS. Um, before we jump into some specific names, here are the injuries you should be watching out for. Uh, Chris Tapsworzingis just got ruled out uh for today's game against portland so not much changes there we're also uh still on carl anthony towns watch uh that's been going on for what feels like a month uh fred van vliet also questionable jay crowder also questionable although he might have went through morning sugar on it seems like he's trending more toward playing and we also have tyler hero uh as questionable kendrick nunn had a fantastic game the other night with hero out um my uh, my first guy that I kind of honed in on uh, 
is LaMarcus Aldridge. I was a little shocked when I saw his price at 6,600. I understand that he has not been performing very well in DFS, but the Spurs have been playing well. He's been shooting more threes. I know his rebounding is down, blah, blah, blah. 6,600 is too cheap for LaMarcus Aldridge when he's seeing 30 minutes a game. The Spurs are expected to score about 120 points in this one. At least they were when I checked this morning in terms of, you know, the, the over-under. It's the highest over-under of the night. <clears throat> right. He's just he's just too cheap for someone that can easily post 40 fantasy points against a team that does not really have a center. Absolutely. He also was the first guy I plugged in my life. <laughs> I could not believe that he was under 7,000. Um, I get it. He's he's had a handful of, of mediocre games, but... You don't have to go back too far to see a string of 45, 45, 45. Yeah. So, yeah, 6,600. I love it. Yeah, this is kind of the, um, you know, the benefit of if you're, if you're playing DFS a lot um, or you play season long and you're just like vaguely aware of what makes a good fantasy point game, like you can just look at a price and, you know, even if someone's having a few down games, you know that their potential is too high to pass up. Um, is there anybody that has caught, other than LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah, so I, I like the Washington-Toronto game tonight. There's blowout potential. You know, it's in yep. Toronto. Um, I think Toronto's the heaviest favored team. Uh, nine and a half points, 10, 10 points, depending on where, where you're looking at it. Um, so there's worry there. Uh, but I think that's the case for almost every Wizards game, um, especially when they're on the road. But you've got Brad Beal's only 7,500, all right? He has, he's at this depressed salary right now because he's played. he was injured for all those games, came back once, injured again, and he's played in the past two. He had 27 minutes in each of those games, still managed to post 32 fantasy points in each, and I haven't seen a report stating one way or the other yet, but my, my assumption is his playing time's going up, and they've been off. They've been off a couple days now. I would actually, or they had a day off yesterday. I would assume that it's going to trend back towards to his normal playing time, or at least around thirty minutes. So, I like Brad Beal at seventy five hundred. Um, we also share a player from this game, uh, Siakam. He's actually in almost a identical boat to Beal in that he missed all that time. He had limited, you know, somewhat limited run, at least, you know, twenty nine and thirty minutes in his first two games back. And this guy, this guy who was up over nine grand, you know, oh yeah, before he got injured, and he's at seventy six hundred tonight. I don't, I can't move off of Lamarcus, Siakam, and Beal. Those three, even if I end up making other adjustments, those three are locked in. I just threw those three into a FanDuel lineup. You can put those three dudes in your lineup and still have an average of sixty three hundred per player available, which should not should not happen. Any of those guys could be over eight thousand, and it would not surprise me. Um, yeah, I like everything you say against, uh, excuse me, for Siakam. Um, yeah, that game also has a high expected total, at least for Toronto. He was average. Siakam was averaging forty six fantasy points per game at home before getting injured. You you were right in mentioning the blowout potential. The Raptors are also on the first game of a back to back, so there is some rest potential down the stretch. But the the Wizards have shown at times that they can be a little feisty. So if this game ended up being closer. Um, you know, I, I can understand like the justification for taking like plus ten and a half for the Wizards, and if that's the case, then you have a reason to play Siakam. Yeah, and the the Wizards games actually a lot of the games have been they're still even though it's a it's a high over you know the point spreads significant. The Blazers' offense has been so explosive, especially when they're healthy. You know, when you have Beal and Bertans out there, uh, that 
that it almost doesn't matter. Like they're they're within reach, you know, or they keep it within reach because their offense has been so it's so explosive, and their defense is so bad that it's always a high scoring game. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's a good mix. Um, the last thing that really just caught my eye was the 76ers against the Bulls. Uh, this is a game uh, that has a spread of seven right now, obviously in favor of the 76ers, uh, has an over-under of 214, although people are expecting that to go under because it started at 216. But regardless, I wouldn't mind a 76ers stack against the Bulls. Ben Simmons isn't my favorite at 9,200. I think there's an expectation that he really steps up his game or can step up his game when Joel Embiid is out, that doesn't happen. It really just doesn't. Like, you can look at the on-off court numbers. He really does not get better when Joel Embiid doesn't play. Um, a lot of that usage gets funneled to Al Horford, to Tobias Harris, to Josh Richardson. And I think there's a case that you could play all three of those guys. Maybe that's more of a cash game option. But um, I think they're all extremely affordably priced. Horford's at 7100 That seems fair to me. Harris, 6700 Richardson, 5900 those guys should combine to average 30 to 35 fantasy points. Yeah. There's since since Embiid went down, there's been at least two nights where I actually I did all four. All four of those <laughs> yeah. guys. You know, I stacked yeah. Philly. Because just the, you know, their value based on their salaries it was and compared to their projections did not match up. It was like I, I have to take advantage of these. Tonight it is only Tobias Harris that I have in the lineup. Um but Absolutely. I mean, the the one thing, my argument for Harris over the others is one, he's significantly cheaper than Ben Simmons and also the the numbers that, that you stated. Uh, and Harris, Harris over guys like, like Horford, 7,100 versus 6,700. There's a few cheaper options than Horford that I like at power forward. Um, and also Horford doesn't have the same kind of ceiling as Harris. Like, Horford is right. good. He's consistent. I know what I'm going to get from him. Uh, there's more inconsistency with Harris, but Harris is coming off a 53-point fantasy outing. He's had a couple games like that this year. Horford doesn't post games like that anymore. It doesn't happen. No. <laughs> like, he would have to get, like, six combined steals and blocks and seven assists for that, you know, to happen. Because he's, you know, how many points is he going to score? It's not going to be many. I mean, if he goes off for 20 points, that's almost amazing. Yeah. Um Anybody else catch your eye? Um, I mean, I see. I just I flipped through and I saw Shabazz Napier is five thousand. Yeah, for that's tonight. which is a great play. Um, I feel like the running theme is those underpriced injured guys who were recently injured. Because one of the other options that I like, same scenario as Siakam and Beal, Malcolm Brogdon, sixty eight hundred. You know, he's been back for two games. Uh, his minutes are probably gonna increase this outing. It's almost I, I'm like flabbergasted that he's at 6,800. I mean, he's played 33 and 30 minutes in those two games back, 45, 35 fantasy points. I, it, It's amazing. That's that's as cheap as, as he'll probably be, you know, until, until you have Oladipo in the mix again. So I, all of those guys are great. Uh, De, DeMar DeRozan, uh, you know, we, we hyped up uh, LaMarcus a little bit. One of the reasons why LaMarcus has been, you know, his production has been down is because DeMar DeRozan is – dominating yes right now uh he is on a hell of a run he's got uh 43 63 44 50 fantasy points over the past four um his assist and scoring have both shot up recently um i mean that stretches back you can go back an additional six seven games and see that he's been doing very very solid um he's at 8100 
if I'm trying to find the room to have him in there, I think that Atlanta San Antonio game is going to be high scoring um, and competitive, um, competitive enough actually. Uh, I should say for for the starters to stay in. So I'm trying to I'm trying to work him in. I don't have him in in my lineup right now, but hopefully I can get him in there as well. Yeah, I just kind of threw together uh, a quick lineup. Um, to kind of just try to demonstrate what what you can kind of build with the guys we've been talking about. Um, I was trying to squeeze in like Marcus Gasol, who I think is an intriguing option at 5,000. Um, but um, I landed on, again, just doing this quickly, Shabazz Napier, Malcolm Brogdon, Bradley Beal, Josh Richardson, Pascal Siakam, Tobias Harris, LaMarcus Aldridge, Al Horford, Jonas Valanciunas. And I would, if that's my lineup going into, I it may not... I don't know if I like it from a ceiling perspective for like GPPs, but it's really hard for me to imagine this lineup not cashing or at least me going into a cash lineup and not feeling comfortable with right. this lineup. Absolutely, absolutely. One guy, one flyer that I wanted to get your take on is Thomas Bryant Yeah, at four grand. I know. All right, so <laughs> he started on Wednesday, and I, I want to see – I'm not I, – I plugged him into my lineup. I'm not ready to commit to it. But I want you know I want to see Brooks come out and say, yep. hey, he's going to play full complement of minutes, or at least see like, oh, we're going to he's playing twenty five, thirty minutes, whatever it may be. I need I I think I need to see that before I can go with him. But at four thousand, it's it's tough. It's tough for me to pass up. I, I will say with Gasol back too, it, it's that matchup's not ideal. Uh, right, but. Four thousand—that's so cheap. He only needs about twenty minutes to return yeah. value, you would assume. Um, and so the question at that point becomes: Would you just rather pay up another thousand to try and get Casal ceiling, or, um, yeah? I mean, I ended up with Valanciunas just because he kind of was the one that fit, and I'm fine. Like his his ceiling is high enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is a really interesting slate—a um, slate that is uh, kind of like last night's slate. Very, you know, it's there's there's seven games. It's pretty easy to digest. We know most of the injuries ahead of time. There aren't too many like huge names that we're looking out for, which is always nice. Um, like the the biggest slate breaker would be like if Towns came back, um, and Stephen Adams is also apparently questionable, um, and that that would obviously put well Nerlens isn't available either. So I don't know what the Mike Muscala ownership could end up being, but oh god, I know that sounds horrible. <laughs> um, I. Th- is there anybody else, or do you think we're good to, to no, wrap this no, thing up? No, that pretty much covers it. I mean, I, it is an interesting slate. I think there's every every so often you'll see these these mid tier guys, or I should say, more like second and third tier guys. They're value like Lamarcus. You know, he's firmly a second tier guy. I think. Yeah. Uh, you'll see their values depressed a little bit, and it's interesting. Like, do you roll? Do you roll deep with those depressed valued mid tier guys and hope that a couple of them, you know, bing? Or do you go? Do you go with the usual suspects and, and go with Luca and, and Trey? You know, those are probably the two big guns for tonight. Uh, Towns if he returns, but I think that's even if he returns, I don't think he's going to be unleashed for thirty five minutes. So. Right. So yeah, I mean like. The, the question is, whenever Luca plays, do you, you know, are you, are you going with Luca or not? And tonight's, it, I almost, I almost didn't even consider it. Cause I was like, there's just too many, too many of those guys in that six, $7,000 range that I love. Yeah. Okay. I think that'll do it for us. Uh, 
appreciate you guys listening. Uh, please leave a review if you thought this was a fantastic podcast. Uh, we will catch you guys next Friday. Bye.